There is a reality of winning too much. Sometimes the cost of getting everything your side wants ultimately ends up being harmful to the interests you want to protect and to larger interests that you can't even fully imagine. I'm BS, Bill Shireman, disrupting the dividers. So here's my first example. When I was a young environmentalist, I was leading an organization whose mission was to establish a big recycling law in California. We were able to defeat some pretty powerful opponents, and we did it by allying ourselves with other powerful opponents. One of those opponents snuck into the bill a provision that was going to save his company and industry a lot of money at the cost of a lot of other people's money. He regarded it as a great victory. He had snuck this provision in. But I returned the disfavor by sneaking my own provisions into the bill that took all that money back and a lot more from him and his company and others. All for a good reason. It actually made the law work rather than making the law dysfunctional, as his would have. But we didn't need to do any of that stuff. We could have slimmed the law down, reduced the costs across the board, and just done the law right. But he insisted on pushing a little too far. He got to spike the ball, and then the ball spiked him. Well, I've seen this process play out in much more destructive ways on the Supreme Court for a few decades now. Back in 1987, then-President Ronald Reagan nominated Judge Robert Bork to the Supreme Court. Now, Justice Bork was a strict constructionist, as they said back then. He was a literalist, in theory anyway. And he was more extreme than I would have liked to have seen. But he was a fine justice, he was an appropriate nominee, and he would have brought some balance to the court. I was aghast when Senator Edward Kennedy led a fight to destroy Justice Bork's reputation and destroy his nomination for short-term political partisan gain. Now, of course, this is one of those cases where it was justified that we're going to destroy this man because by keeping him off the Supreme Court, we're going to protect the wins that we have secured in the last generation. But that wasn't the effect at all. The effect was to politicize the appointments process to the point where nominees had to pass certain litmus tests to assure that they were partisan enough to be given the go-ahead by whatever party was in charge. And we ended up with people like Justice Clarence Thomas, just as conservative as a Robert Bork, but much less able as a thoughtful jurist. Now the ghost of Supreme Court christenings of the past has returned and retribution is being exacted. Even as a Republican, I am disturbed by the gambit engineered by Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell that blocked the Obama administration from appointing a justice to the Supreme Court and gave Donald Trump an extra appointment that he and the party had not earned. Now, I have to say that my friends overwhelmingly disagree with me. They think the move was brilliant on McConnell's part. I wouldn't call it brilliant. I'd call it obvious, but also unprincipled, without character, destructive to the republic, and the one action that could go down in history for destroying the reputation of the one branch that has the chance of saving us when Congress and the executive branches fail. We now have a Supreme Court that has been stacked by my party, 
is out of step with the middle 70% majority of the country, issuing rulings that cater to the cultural far right while pretending to be constructionists. One of the cases they're taking up the week I record this challenges the authority of state high courts, in this case North Carolina's, to overturn election rules like gerrymandering plans that violate the Constitution and the rights of voters. This case is a loaded gun, cocked and ready to fire, straight at the heart of democracy. The role of the courts throughout our system has always been to check the abuse of power by the executive and legislative branches. The idea that state courts should have no authority in these matters is preposterous, even if the justices can't find the words that define that in the Constitution. The surrender of power to state legislatures and hence to the interest groups and power brokers that are often in charge has the potential to destroy what's remaining of real legitimate democracy and the rights of voters in this country. Imagine if a state legislature can make any rule it chooses regarding the manner and interpretation of votes for president, for senator, for congress, for state offices, with no oversight by the courts, no oversight by the executive branch. This would be a blank check to whoever happens to be in power, the party, the party bosses, vested interests, ideological factions, whoever. And they could dictate the outcome of elections throughout their state and often turn the nation. This is not a case that any serious conservative, liberal, or progressive should entertain as anything but a power grab by one set of partisans currently that will invite power grabs by every partisan group and vested interest for the rest of this republic. If ever there was a moment for voters to wake up and realize this threat to what's remaining of our democracy and to step up and take the power that we have to use our dollars and use our votes to bring back our real democratic republic, this is that moment. The issue sounds arcane. The question of whether state legislatures alone should determine the time, place, and manner of elections. But it is a wild Trojan horse. And as voters of all parties realize what's up, whether that's this week or in the weeks and months and election cycles that follow, I am confident that this will be another win too far that will rebound with countermeasures that I hope will correct rather than worsen the impact. And that is not BS. But I am, and I'll see you next time.